0: Larry, it's been too long since I've talked to you last. What's going
1: on? It's been a while. How you doing, Eric? Everything's great here.
0: Ah, that's good. I uh, same here. Just busy, and and it's, you know, time. I swear that I don't know how these years work, and maybe it's just because I'm older. But the end of the year just goes really, really quick. I feel like I'm 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 about to eat turkey, and then I'll have a Christmas tree right in front of me. I mean, it's just that yeah, quick. I, it's I, boom, boom.
1: I I just had a conversation with somebody. Who said same thing. As we get older, the years go by so <laughs> quick, so much quicker. Yeah, I still think it's 1999, and the computers are going to stop working when the clock changes. (laughs) Well, fun fact:
0: I actually uh, I worked at uh, Amazon.com upgrading their stuff before uh, the 2000 hit. So you're welcome, Larry.
1: Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a good time. I I enjoyed. That was only like five years ago, right? Uh, Yeah, just a couple years (laughs) back. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we didn't come here to talk about how old we are, Larry. What are we talking about today?
1: So we're going to talk about taxes and how to save money on your taxes I know everyone wants to talk about investments and sexy stuff um, mm-hmm. I know my last podcast we talked about investing in boring so uh, but that was really investment strategies today we're going to talk about what you should be doing or what importantly what is your advisor doing or what is your advisor not doing mm. and things that you may not be aware of that you should ask your advisor are they doing and if not they should be doing. So uh, we're going to talk about some of the strategies that we do ourselves well, for our I've, clients.
0: Yeah, if I've learned anything from you, Larry, is that if you listen and learn how to save money on taxes and how to save money in these different things that you've talked about on on many podcasts, then you have that money to use to go ahead and buy sexy investments, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If that's what you want to do. Or or more importantly, that you can compound that money so that you can retire earlier or make that money last longer for
0: you. There you go. Absolutely. All
1: right. So where do we start today? I know it's a big subject. Okay. so just taxes alone on it comes to investing. So it's not how much money you make. It's how much money you keep. Mm -hmm. So if you have investments and you're paying, a lot of uh, taxes because it's ordinary income taxes, not capital gain taxes, and there are two different versions which we'll talk about, uh, then you're you're not able to have this extra money. So how can you make money, how can you keep money by lowering the amount of taxes you pay? Now, of course, this taxes should not be the sole reason to sell an investment or to make a decision about your investments. But there are still plenty of ways to maximize your return by minimizing your taxes. So let's talk about some of, the, some of the strategies. And I'm going to try to do as basic here as I can. Feel free, Derek, to, to, uh, to ask some questions here. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is cost basis. So what, what is the cost basis? So when you buy a stock, you, um, if you buy it for $1,000, that is your cost basis in it. And then if you have dividends and capital gains that are reinvesting each year, you got to pay taxes or you may have to pay taxes on that, but that adds to your cost basis. So let's say you started with a thousand dollars and you had $200 worth of uh, capital gains and dividends over the year. So now that added to the thousand dollars. So now your cost basis is 1200. Now you wanna go and sell some or all of this, these, these mutual funds, these investments. So believe it or not, there are different ways to determine how much your gain is and therefore how much you own taxes. So I'll just briefly talk about the four different ways of uh, determining what the gain is. And one of them is average cost. So average cost is, let's say you buy a mutual fund and your first time you bought it, and it was, the price was $20. And then later on, you bought the same mutual fund and the price was $40. Mm-hmm. And now you wanna go sell the entire, the entire fund. Well, you take the $20 that you bought, assuming you bought the same amount at both times, and the $40, and you have an average cost of what would the average cost be, Eric? 30 bucks. There you go. So now, if your average cost now is is $30 and you're selling it for $50, you have a $20 gain. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So that makes sense. So that's one method. And once you select the, the method, you have to stay with the method throughout the, the, the time that you're investing. So uh, strategy number two, cost basis number two is what's called FIFO first in, first out. So now let's say you have, we, we talked about the first um, part, the first transit you bought of this mutual fund was $20. And now you're selling part of it, you're not selling all of it. And so you, you're still selling, um, $50 worth, but you're only selling the, the, the amount of shares that you bought. And this time, instead of using the average cost of $30, they're going to use the price that you paid in the beginning, the $20 one. Okay. So now your gain is $30, 50 minus 20, instead of 50 minus 30. So that's not good. The, that's not good. The third method is LIFO. So LIFO here, now you're doing the same thing, but now you're using the, the the shares that you bought last in first out. So now that is at $40, so now your gain is only $10. So you have three different methods here, and depending upon the price here, which is going to be the best method? Well, we don't know because maybe the method is going to be the average cost maybe it's the fifo maybe it's the lifo you don't really you don't really know depending upon the price at time of course the usually the stock will go up so that means the end the price that you bought last you would pay the least amount of taxes now but later on when you want to sell the rest and if you used up all of the lifo basis Now maybe you're later in life and you have all that's left is your earlier stock prices, your purchase prices, so you may be paying higher taxes later on. And just the opposite with the FIFO. That's why most people choose the average cost basis but so it blends the two together. Okay. But the the strategy that we use and the one that is the the best is really we think is the best is the specific identification method. So now what can you do with this? Now anytime you go to sell, you can actually select the lots that you want to. So now let's say you you're decided to sell and you want to sell with the highest lots You would sell, you would go in and identify the actual lots that had the highest cost. Therefore, you would have the lowest Mm -hmm. gains. Okay. But let's say you're in a year, we're going to talk about tax rates in a minute, but let's say you're in a year where you're in a very low tax bracket and possibly have zero capital gains. Yes, you could have zero capital gains. Or um, you're now not working that year and you're not earning money. So you want to go in and identify some of your lower cost basis. So you can now identify the lower cost basis. And of course, you can go in and if you're gonna sell, you can sell some from the lower, some from the higher. So you get to pick and choose which ones you wanna do. And by doing that, you can control the cost basis you select and you could control what the taxes are. Now, of course, doing this manually, over years and years and years, because every time there's a dividend and there's a capital gain, there's a different lot could get very, very, very onerous. So we use a computer program that would actually do that. We tell the computer program what we're trying to do and they identify the lots and they automatically sell the ones that, that we do based upon the strategy that we're using. Nice. So knowing the cost basis and knowing the method that you're selecting, and I would guess if you ask the average investor what method they're using for cost basis, they're (laughs) gonna have no clue what that is. Yeah, yeah. So so for all those out there, go ask your advisor, what method do you use when it comes to identifying and using for mutual funds? Again, most firms are gonna use average cost basis. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Like
0: you said, if you ask most advisors, excuse me, if you ask most uh, investors that question, you're gonna get a deer in the headlights look, right? Uh, And I would say for any investor out there that has an advisor, if you ask your advisor that and you get the deer in the headlights look,
1: (laughs) it's it's time to call another advisor. Right, or even if you don't and they understand it, a lot of the firms don't have the software to do the specific identification because it's much more time consuming. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's good to know. So let's talk about let's talk about strategy number two, which also plays a little bit on the cost basis, but it's a little it's a little bit more. So I'm going to talk about capital gains. And again, I'm focusing today on, on mutual funds um, or they could be they, they could be ETFs as, as well. But um, talking about mutual funds and ETFs, there is when you buy a fund, Uh, over time, depending upon the cost basis and depending upon how the fund has done, hopefully you're gonna make money on that. But until you sell the fund, it is an unrealized gain. Once you sell the fund, then it's a realized gain and you gotta pay the difference between the selling price and the cost basis. So knowing what bracket you are in, has got some some very great and very powerful ways of identifying certain assets that you may want to sell at certain particular times. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about that. Now let's let us let us talk about the uh, the different brackets. So when it comes to capital gains right now, and we are brought we are doing this podcast on. Uh, October 22nd and I'm quantifying that because by the time it comes out there's a possibility that uh, the the um, the rates may have changed as, as the house and is looking into uh, a new tax law but right now there's three different brackets there is 0% capital gain bracket there's a 15% capital gain bracket and there's a 20% capital gain bracket and these are for investments that are held more than one year if you sell something less than one year it's called the short-term capital gain and it's taxed based upon your ordinary income bracket so if you are married and filing joint and you earn less than $80,000 your capital gains are a zero that's right, zero. Hmm. If you're earned between 80,000 and 496,000, your capital gains are 15%. And if you earn more than 496,000, your capital gain rate is at 20%. So again, we're not gonna let the tax rate um, make the final decision here, but let's say you're in a year for whatever reason coming out of the pandemic, you're in a year that you had some bigger losses that offset a lot of your taxable income. So you have zero income this year and you're thinking about rebalancing or taking some profits from some of the money this year. And next year, you're gonna be in a higher income. You're making more money. Well, if you took some capital gains this year before the end of the year and you've kept your income under 80,000 and your profit, let's say your profit was 20,000, now you're getting to keep all that 20,000. But if you wait till next year when your income is higher, now you got to pay 15%. And we're only talking federal taxes here. But you just you just saved money by making sure that you sold during a year where you have lower gains, mm-hmm. and that that also goes through if you're possibly on the limit between the the 496 and above, and you're thinking about doing this. Uh, so if if you're looking to rebalance or taking some profits now towards the end of the year and you're calling your advisor, your advisor should say, hmm, what tax bracket are you are you in? Is maybe we should wait a little bit um, as we get closer to the end of the year and and take more in next year. Or if you're planning on taking some in next year, they should be reaching out to you and saying, you know, what's your bracket this year? Maybe we should move some of the gains in this year when we're rebalancing. Mm-hmm. So knowing what bracket you're in may have some impact on how to save some money on your taxes. Yeah. Uh, now the single, the single rates aren't as, as as generous as the married are, but it still applies for your single capital gains. So knowing what bracket you're in really has an impact on what your on what your taxes are. Yeah, sounds like it.
0: And and obviously most people don't know what bracket they're in, but if you if you tell your you know, your accountant or your advisor, how much you've earned, they should be able to tell you
1: immediately, right? Yes. And they can look at your, any advisor should be looking at your tax return and they can, they can figure out what it was last year and see if it's about the same this year. Got it. And, 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 and calculated that. Again, it's there's, you just have to be know the three different breakpoints and see where you are. So you don't know, you don't need to know it exact. You just need to know is it going to be above this, below this number? Um, and where it's where it's going to be to making those decisions. And again, that may not come into play because you may want to be selling something because you think it's time to change things or rebalance things. So, but if there are ways and there are certain scenarios, why not save? Why not save money? I mean, we've had scenarios where uh, clients were planning on buying a home in the first year. We needed to raise a substantial sum of money. Uh, so looking at this and trying to figure out how to minimize those taxes to save some money is well worth it. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about again a little bit more about capital gains, but let's talk about mutual fund distributions. And this sometimes gets again the deer in the headlights that you mentioned before for mm-hmm. a uh, for the average investor. Sometimes also they don't understand this. So when you buy a mutual fund. You, you buy into a fund and so are a lot of other investors. And the, whether it's a index mutual fund or an active mutual fund, anytime they sell a stock inside this mutual fund, and if they sold it as a profit, there's a capital gain. And guess what? Those capital gain distributions are passed down to you, the mutual fund holder. So one of the things that happens, and it happens in years when there, is, there may be a big decline at the end of the year, but during the year the manager was buying and selling the funds inside or they needed to raise money and they were buying and selling, the mutual fund actually could be down and then you're getting a large capital gain distribution at the end of the year that you have to pay taxes on. and the investors like wait a minute i lost money on my mutual fund why am i paying all these taxes on these capital gains and that's because the mutual fund has has distributions so one of the things you should be looking for on a fund that we look at is what is the turnover of the fund is if it's an active manager that keeps buying and selling even though they may be making money Um, And they also could be losing money, but on the the funds that they're making and the ones that they sell and the turnover, you're going to pay taxes on it. And if they don't wait a year on all these funds, uh, um, all these stocks, you could be paying ordinary taxes. So looking at the mutual funds that you have and looking at it, if you want to look at Morningstar, you can actually see what the turnover percentage is. And some of the funds, sometimes I've seen a hundred percent. I mean, these are really aggressive funds out there. So knowing what kind of turnover you have in your funds and asking your advisor what the turnover rate is, will kind of determine some of the distributions that you can expect. Year-end distributions. So again, uh, the... They we talked about the capital gains that are, that are being bought and sold. And a lot of times these distributions are not distributed until you're, to you, when you are a record of holder. So at the end of the year, sometimes the funds are going to distribute some large gains. So even though you might have been buying the fund now, so we talk about this. If your advisor, if you've given your advisor new money to invest and he invests it the day before that you're the record of a mutual fund holder and they distribute uh, their distributions shortly thereafter, you're paying taxes on those capital gains, even if you might have only owned the fund for a very short period of time. Hmm. So. If you plan on investing towards the end of the year, you may want to wait until after these distributions are made. So you don't have to pay capital gains on these distributions. Yeah, that doesn't Uh, seem quite fair. (laughs) It doesn't seem quite fair. Now, again, some funds distribute them quarterly, some annually. So uh, so knowing when they do that, it's not fair but all is all impact your taxes. And one of the reasons why we use funds that have low, not only low turnover, but we use funds that are more buy and hold strategies. So therefore, there's less active trading, less active trading, less capital gain distributions, less capital gain distributions lead to what, Eric? Less taxes paid. Bingo, you got it. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> exactly. I'm following you, Larry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about single stocks. And this can get a, a little complicated as far as some of the strategies so, uh, uh, that, that you can do. So I'm gonna try to keep it keep it really simple, but it's, be, it's becoming a little bit of a issue now because we're seeing a lot of, clients and a lot of potential clients that may have some large gains because they bought Apple or Netflix or Facebook at very low numbers and now these stocks are becoming a big part of what their portfolio is and if they want to diversify out, they're going to have to pay some taxes on that. So what can you do now? We've talked about the specific identification and that's easy to do on, on, on stocks, but there are also other strategies that you can, that you can do. Um, and there are a few different, what we call, um, uh, platforms that will take the individual stock and diversify it into a basket or a large amount of stocks. And what do they do once you have these large amount of stocks? Well, they would actually look to harvest losses. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's say you owned Pepsi and you, and you have this individual stock, you sold some of this individual stock and you bought a thousand other stocks all within a managed account. And then we know that some of these thousand dollar other stocks, are going to not, they're not all going to go up right away. Some of them are going to go down. So I'm, I'm just taking an example of Pepsi. Let's say Pepsi was one of those stocks that went down. So the computer system or the manager could decide they're going to sell Pepsi and they're going to buy Coke because they're going to think same sector, similar performance. Uh, so what have they've done now? They've now sold Pepsi at a loss. And that loss can be used to offset the gain that you did on when you sold that individual stock. And the nice thing about a lot of these computer programs, they're done so quickly, so fast, and they, they're constantly selling when some of these individual stocks are done. I've seen instances where the market went down right after we did this, we were able to harvest hundreds of thousand dollars of losses Mm. and able to offset some of these gains. So I know this strategy may seem a little, a little complicated, uh, but we can explain it even more. So if you are sitting there with an individual stock or a few stocks with some low cost basis and want to diversify out, please give us a call and we can talk about some of these strategies.
0: Yeah. And again, it goes back to what you've said time and time again on this podcast is that everybody's situation is individual and they need to speak with a professional to be able to, you know, know what strategy is going to be best for them. So this was pretty complicated so far today, but I, I was following there. I promise I was following. And I mean, it's there was a lot of good news in it.
1: Yeah, there's, there is good news. And, and speaking of tax loss harvesting there, I was talking about an individual stock, but you can also do the same thing on a mutual fund. Uh, we've had instances where at the beginning of 2020, when the pandemic hit, if you would have invested money right away, what, what do you want? If your advisor just sits there and does nothing, you're losing this great opportunity mm-hmm. to sell a fund and to buy a similar fund. Now, when you do it with a fund, what you need to do, you need to wait 30 days to buy, reback, rebuy the same fund. So let's say we're going to, where you, you bought X, Y, XYZ fund, and you bought it at the wrong time. The market takes a big nosedive, and we want to harvest some of these losses. So we're going to buy ABC funds, basically a a very similar fund to XYZ fund, and we're going to hold that fund for 30 days. And then at the end of 30 days, we're going to sell ABC fund and going back to XYZ fund. So now, what did we do? You're still, you're in the same exact fund as you were before, but now you have these realized capital gains, real, I'm sorry, realized capital losses that you can use to offset future capital gains. And you're in the same position, but if you did nothing, you would not have had these losses that we booked into realized losses. And the reason why we do this is, if the market goes runs away from you in those 30 days, and then you would, you would just hold on to ABC a, fund and you'd be in the same position if you did nothing. So we call this tax loss harvesting. So, uh, a, again, another strategy that your advisor should have in case this does happen. Okay. Great advice. Uh, one last one. I'm, again, we're going to probably have a separate podcast just talking about charitable contributions and investing, and and possibly using your IRA if you're if you're inclined to do a charitable contribution and you're, and you're in the standard deduction and you can't deduct your your charitable gift. There are ways of using your IRA IRA as a charity and now you're actually lowering the amount of, of your IRA and lowering the amount of your required minimum distribution. Whereas if you just gave a gift outright, your money, you would still be down the same money, but you wouldn't have gotten a tax loss, so uh, a tax deduction. So it's just a, another way of doing, of doing that. So again, having these conversations with your advisor and saying, hey, I'm planning on doing a charitable contribution, Am I better off doing it with cash or am I better off using my IRA? Those are some of the conversations that you should have. So these are some of the strategies that you used to lower the taxes. And again, when you lower your taxes, more money in your pocket. Doesn't that doesn't isn't that what everyone wants, Eric? Uh, yeah. Yeah. M- more money in every pocket, Larry.
0: <laughs>
1: Absolutely. For sure,
0: for sure. All right, so again I know that you're always open to a phone call. How do people get a hold of you uh, if they want to chat about this kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so I want to be want to be clear. I mean th- Every, all these strategies are not for everybody, they're not specific recommendations. Mm-hmm. So w- we would need to speak to you to see what what your situation is. Every client is different, every strategy is different. So if they'd like to talk to us and thinking about um, some of these strategies or anything else, they can go to our website, Hello Wealth Management, and click on the schedule, a free assessment, a free 20-minute assessment, to see how we can save you money on taxes. Or you can feel free to call the office at 631-293-2806.
0: Fantastic. Larry, again, this was a a pretty meaty podcast. And then the nice thing is is people can rewind and listen again. Um, I'm hoping that they're doing that to take a few notes and then reach out and call you. So thank you so much for your time today. And our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Retire Right podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hello Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.